Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Movie Land has renovated one of the theaters for special event rentals, including private parties and corporate meetings. Cinema 7 has been upgraded with new leather seats, a bigger screen, and special railings in front of each row for extra snacks and laptops. There are pre-ordered food packages from traditional treats to kids' goodies at a 15% discount. And since they have a full bar, you can also order adult beverages. There are four showtimes every day at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., 6 p.m., and 10 p.m. The theater seats up to 45 people and costs between $300 and $460. You can select to screen a movie that's currently showing at the theater, or you can bring your own DVD. By the way, there will not be a show on Christmas Day at 2 p.m. or on Christmas Eve at 10 p.m., but the other times are available. I've included a link to the rental page on the webpage for this show at TV Jerry, or you can go to the Movie Land site, click on More, Theater Rentals, and select Movie Land. I go there, and I'll never forget. We start, and I'm like, well, this feels like a rug, but I think this is a skull. Sure enough, he passed away. She wrapped him up in shower curtain. That's Matt Paxton talking about finding a dead body on Hoarders. Matt was born and raised in Richmond and is considered one of the top downsizing and decluttering experts in the country. His show Legacy List with Matt Paxton is on PBS and he's also a featured cleaner on the hit television show Hoarders. This week features more of his great stories. Sifter Review of the Week The Killer on Netflix. Michael Fassbender plays a professional assassin, but since this was directed by David Fincher, you can expect something different. In this case, there are a few nicely dispatched kills, but lots of introspective inner monologues. After a hit goes wrong, he sets out across the world to dispatch the people responsible. In between his quick hits are long periods of Fassbender's steely presence, alone and traveling to his next victim. There's very little interaction with other people, although the scene with Tilda Swinton is the film's best moment thanks to her nuanced performance. Otherwise, there's plenty of his subdued voiceover, which lends an objective perspective lacking any emotion. Some might appreciate this cerebral approach to a character study, but anyone expecting an action flick will have lots of waiting between the short bursts. I gave Killer 3 out of 5 stars. Obviously, you were doing Hoarders, and did you come to them and say, hey, I'm going to do my own show, and it's on a different network and all that, or how did you manage that whole process? I was working with a guy in Richmond named Neil Patel. Some of you know he used to be at the Martin Agency, and uh, he and I were working together on another project, and I just told him I really want to make a positive show about aging Americans. We pitched it to every cable channel, and every cable channel passed. It all passed. And then someone said, have you thought about public television? And I was like, is there any money in public television? And they were like, absolutely not. There's no money. <laughs> but you'll be able to tell the story that you want. Right. And VPM had just hired Steve Humble and the head of uh, content at, uh, at VPM. And Steve loved the concept. And he said, yeah, let's go for it. Let's find a way to do it. And so we, we had to raise the money. Of course, it's public television. And we made the show. And I got to tell you, I mean, the number one decision there was, do we talk about what the items are worth financially or back to your original question, you know, and then, and, and even the producers were like, let's put price tags on it. I was like, no, that's cable. Yeah. Like this is public television. We're here to talk about the stories. This is our chance. And we really had to fight it. And Neil and myself pushed hard for that. And we were very lucky. And I will say our first two seasons were nominated for Emmys. And I think we did it right. I know. Cause you're looking for interesting things and, and obviously you found some really cool stuff along the way. Have you ever been to one of these where you finish and you're like, oh, it's, not, it's kind of a dud. There's really nothing here that's a, 
powerful story or an interesting some are story? more yeah some are more exciting than others obviously i mean it aired last season four we had a uh we actually uh, you know if you remember the birmingham uh birmingham church bomb the 17th street baptist church in birmingham right. alabama on the church but we were cleaning the parents of one of the girls that died in that church bombing wow and the girl's name is denise mcnair and we Buried in the back of her closet, her mom's closet, we found a little bag and we opened it up and it had Denise McNair's church gloves and her Bible all covered in blood. And um, that was really amazing. I mean, it was just like, that's it. Like that should be in Smithsonian. It blew us away. And so like, that's a hard act to follow, right? Like sure. that was the first time, that was the most powerful episode we ever made. And it was really interesting to know like, oh, okay, we're never going to make a better episode than that. And we're at season four. Like, I'm hoping to go like 10, you know, I'm on PBS. I want to go on for 20 years. Sure. Obviously, you talked about TV. And I know one of the things that's fun on your website is the time you came on to Jimmy Kimmel and helped clean one of the yeah. writer's rooms. And you talk about the stories and they love them. But, you know, I watched it and everything he'd had a great story. I'm like, how can he get rid of any of this stuff? So as Jimmy brought me on to clean out his, his head writer's room and everything was fascinating and funny. It was. And I'm looking around and I'm like, dude, I, none of this is trash. <laughs> of course, that was a two hour clean out and they edited it down to six minutes. But I'm looking at the guy and I'm like, man, there's there's nothing we can throw away in this room. He just needs to put it elsewhere. And yeah, that was kind of when I realized I was like, man, what am I doing? Like, this is too many good stories. It, it was actually one of the reasons I started to say, I got to make a new TV show because. Oh, I, really? I, yeah, I wanted a place to tell the good stories. It's interesting because you said on that show, nothing's going to surprise me. Have you still never found something in a house on your show on hoarders that was a surprise like holy crap yeah probably about once a <laughs> once a uh, once a year so you're like wow i am officially surprised can you give <laughs> you some know? examples or are they just yeah you might have to edit this one it was a great story so we're cleaning out this thing and then the wife is, is i mean the guy just passed away and so we're it was kind of weird dynamic we find this orange duffel bag and we open the duffel bag up. We find love letters from this guy's actual life partner, a guy he works with. And we're like, oh, okay. So he had a partner, a guy, it is what it is. So I look at the team and I'm like, look, this isn't our story to tell. We're not gonna out somebody, especially in their, when they've passed. So I just bury it in my car, right? And we lock it up and the daughter comes up to me. She's like, hey, did you find an orange duffel bag in the bedroom? Absolutely, I did. Are you aware of the duffel bag? And she's like, yes. Or she's like, I don't want my brother to find it. I go, okay. So then the next day, the brother comes up. Hey, did you find the orange duffel bag? And orange duffel bag. Yeah, we did, actually. Um, your sister just told me she didn't want you to find it. He goes, I don't want my mom to find it. And I go, okay, well, we got it. So then the next day, the mom gets in there. She goes, hey, did you find an orange duffel bag? Oh, wow. And I go, yeah, yes. Are you aware? And she's like, yeah. She's like, look, we were just best friends for the last 20 years. She goes, I want to give it to his partner. He's a really good guy. You know, she goes, but I don't want the son to find it. And I go, well, all three of you have asked me <laughs> not to share this bag. She goes, we're just going to keep it that way. We just, we choose not to talk about it. I was like, well, whatever. I go, she goes, I would like the bag to give it to his partner. And I was like, okay, here you go. Like, whatever. First, I thought it was like this, like tragic, you know, like, oh, this poor guy had to live a secret and he wasn't happy and die unhappy. And then what blew me away was this guy had this incredible life and his, and his wife was actually just his friend. And he, he had a, apparently a fulfilling life with his partner. And I was just like, man, I didn't expect it to get that complex. Yeah. And we couldn't share any of it on TV. Oh, wow. Right? So we had to edit the most important part of the story. The only thing that made that house interesting was something we couldn't share. Oh, that does suck. Yeah, the, yeah. So actually, we ended up getting to meet the meet the guy, the partner, and he was a really interesting dude. You never, I mean, you just never know what goes on in people's houses until we find out when we clean it up the yeah. house, and it's just it's just interesting, you know. But like, 
Actually, this is a legacy list. We found a, uh, it was in Robert E. Lee's boyhood home. We found letters from Robert E. Lee's mom, like a diary. Wow. And she's basically just saying like, hey, we're going to, we're broke. Like this farm is going to break us without slaves. <laughs> we can't afford this place. And it's literally what it says in the wow. letter. And we were just like, ugh, this is weird and gross and yucky, but like financially accurate here, you know? And we were like, do we show this? Do we not show it? Like, what's the, you know, what's the ethical dilemma here? But at the end of the day, we were just like, boy, that's something you never think you find. Sure. It's always to me, the touchy stuff that makes it interesting. Gross, eh, whatever. I mean, I found dead bodies. I found, you name it, I found it. Um, we had one lady that she couldn't, the police actually hired, there's a hoarder's house. They police hired us to find her husband's body because oh. the cadaver dogs could not find it because it was such a bad smelling house. But it was in the house. It was in the house. She was mentally unstable, I should say. And I walk in there, I'm like, guarantee you it's in the bathroom if it's anywhere. Because I mean, I can read a room and I know when things are and all that. So I go in there and I'm never, I mean, I'll never forget. We start and I'm like, well, this feels like a rug. But I think this is a skull. You know, oh, if you had a gun and we pull it out. Sure enough, she had wrapped him up. He had passed away and he wrapped, she had wrapped him up in a uh, wow. shower curtain. And she's like, oh, that's where I put him. Like, that's where he is. She had lost her keys, you know? And I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. You know? That is. Like, what profession have I chosen? Like, this is nuts. It, it, it just, he had just passed away of old age, but it was just, you know, yeah. when you think it's like, well, there it is. That was a Tuesday. You know, just another day. That's cool. Just another day, you know. And it's, I know on your website you offer the services. Still, are you still doing that? Do people still reach out, or are they yeah. like, "Oh, he's too famous now. I can't possibly afford it." I mean, they, yeah, a lot of you think I'm too famous. I'm not. Trust me, I got seven kids. I mean, I got, <laughs> I got a lot of mouths to feed, and right. uh, I have a I have a lot of crews now around the country. So people hire me, and they guys that have taken my training, and so we're always there to help people if we can. And I tried to get rich a lot of different ways, and it never happened. And when I gave in and just started helping, like that's when I was able to pay all my bills. And so now I just feel like I'm kind of, uh, I got X amount of days a year that I can help and, and whoever needs help, I'm happy to help. And I love it. You may have been asked this question before, but I want to know, how is your concept different from Marie Kondo, who got famous a couple of years ago for hers? And I think now she said, yeah. no, nope, it's not working. So Marie made a ton of money on the concept, what brings you joy? Good for her, man. Girl, get your money. I salute you. This is not me hating on you. Go make your cash. I know her husband. He's an interesting dude. But her method is about if it brings, if it sparks joy, keep it. If it doesn't, get rid of it. Look, there's a hundred ways to drive to California. In clutter, there's a bunch of different methods. And for a lot of people, they, there's a really, there's a cool book out there called uh, Swedish Death Cleaning. And that's a really interesting method. And then right, my right. memories lose the stuff. So my method is just about tell the stories. And if it works for you, great. I mean, a lot of people have read my book and they love it and it's brought them a lot of joy and it's helped them get started. And if I'm thinking, okay, I got 50 almost, what I got 35 years, good ones, hopefully 30 good ones. Do I really want to spend them in my attic looking at crap from when I was in high school? I'd rather go out with my partner tonight and have a wonderful dinner. You know, like let's spend my life doing good things and positive things and loving the person I love. And so I really just try to get people to pocket that into Hey man, let's spend the, these five days on the memories and then that's it. Wrap it up. My method of keep the memories, lose the stuff. It really encourages you to, to itemize the most important stories and then continue to tell them and share them. And how well does that work in your own house? So when I moved to Atlanta, this is a great story. I had written the outline of my book and half of the book. And then I fell in love with my now partner. I, I had to move to Atlanta and I've lived in Richmond my entire life. I was sitting in my attic and I just, I called her. I was like, I don't think I can go. And she's like, what do you mean? 
I go, I, I don't want to miss all the stuff. I don't want to give up on all the stuff. I love, you know, right. and I'm, I'm going through my Miller and Rose and Tallheimer boxes and, you know, all oh, that wow. stuff. Yeah. And she goes, well, she goes, your family lives in Atlanta. Let us know if you're coming or not. And she hung up. And I remember sitting in the attic and I go, oh my God, my book sucks. <laughs> I can't write, I can't publish this book. It sucks. If I can't even leave this attic, how in the world is this going to help anybody? So I ended up calling AERP. They were my partner on the book. And then we both called Penguin Random House and they were like, your book's due when it's due. If you want to rewrite it, go for it. But it's due. <laughs> I need it in January. There you and go. So I ended up spending five days in my attic and I, and I said, okay, I'm not going to focus. No tips. I'm going to write down every emotion that I'm going through. And I wrote every emotion that I was getting stuck on. And then I wrote my advice on those emotions. And so that's what's unique about my method. It's, it's focused on emotions, not tips and that stuff. And what you find is you're able to really share the memories and embrace your past that way. Right. But man, it would, it did not work at first. So that's why I know my book is good because I had to completely rewrite it to make it a point value live. And now I've been here, I've been here three years. Well, yeah. I'm going to have to get a copy because we've got an attic up there that I don't want to leave to my daughter to have to deal with cleaning out. And I keep saying, we're going to get up there and clean stuff. You invite me up. Um, that gives me an excuse to come to Richmond if you need help in your attic. <laughs> there you, you go. got some great stuff in your attic, actually, man. Oh my God. Actually, I have an original Texas Chainsaw Massacre one sheet gave me well, years ago. There's a guy in Richmond that deals in just those. He would Mike Keller. He would he would know exactly what to do oh, with cool. that. One question I always like to ask everybody: When you're not working on your own show, what are you watching? Ooh, man! I just watched uh, 1883. That was good. Uh, it's good. It's really, really good. Although 1923 is better. Have you have you watched that one? I didn't one? think so. I thought 1883 was better. Really? Yeah, and I'm only halfway through 1923. Footnote. 1883 and 1923 are both prequels to Taylor Sheridan's popular hit, Yellowstone. I actually don't like Yellowstone. Oh, I loved it. It's too, too much negativity for me. I need positivity. After Game of Thrones, I got really into um, Schitt's Creek, and I just thought that was a brilliant oh, that's great show. The problem with Schitt's Creek is, well, what do you watch when it's over? Yeah. I was so addicted to positivity at that point that it was just like, oof, what do I watch? And so then I got into Ted Lasso, and it's it's pretty good. Yeah. First two seasons were wonderful, I thought. And then I started watching all, yeah, I just can't get into the negativity, man. I need I need positive. And so there's I- a lot of that. And there's so many crime dramas. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't care about about I don't need a bunch of white women telling me who did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, man. I'm good. I know. I feel you. Yeah. I'm on an eternal search for positivity. I have found that the most positive content I find is from smaller underserved communities. So there's a lot of good uh, gay and lesbian films, a lot of really good uh, black film right now. And the Asian market and the Indian market, they're all starting yeah. to. Squiggy. I thought it was brilliant. I, it was gross, but I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably like you. Like, I suck to watch TV with now because I'll be like, oh, well, that guy's standing on the that, that camera guy must be three foot tall. You yeah, know, I'm right, like, right, why right. is this angle this way? And so, like, I mean, not to pump them up, but don't tell them. But I actually started watching uh, The Good Road. And it's a really good show. <laughs> it's super positive. Footnote. The special drop-in guest from last week's show was Craig Martin, who is co-host of The Good Road, a PBS series that takes them around the globe looking for positive stories. I'm trying to think. I've, I've been going back and trying to find movies to watch with my kids. Cool Running stands up. It's still well, a great movie. They love it. Goonies is problematic, but it's still a great, yeah, yeah, great yeah. movie. But locking a kid up in the basement is a th- major theme, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you something to consider for positivity. Yeah. It just popped into my head. There's tons of them, but We Are Lady Parts. Have you heard of that? 
No. What is it? It's really fun. I can't remember what channel it's on. I reviewed it. It's four or five Muslim women who form a punk band. You talk about some crazy positivity. It's Amazon. Is it Amazon? Yeah, I did see it on there. That was a lot of fun. Good. Super it's, positive. It's, it's very positive and a lot of fun. I yeah. love it. Because okay. obviously they're they're Muslim women trying to do a punk band, so they've already got a lot of negativity thrown at them up yeah. front. I got approached by uh, the BYU network. It used to be a PBS station at BYU. They spun off on their own thing. Footnote: BYU is Brigham Young University, the leading Mormon college. Like we're trying to make more positive shows, and I do a lot of work in genealogy. And of course, the genealogy world is owned by Mormons. Right. And I was shocked that they wanted me to help them make a show. They're like, well, you make positive. So what do you, I said, well, and, and I met this lady that worked at, uh, you know, divorce is just being accepted in the Mormon faith. Right. And so I met a bunch of 50 year old women that are newly divorced. And so they're it, 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 basically it's these badass women, Mormon women that are realizing that they can have their own voice and, and they're these super strong women that's not totally accepted in the Mormon church. Yet. Sure. Although the church might have a view on it, official view, they're not really there. And so there I met these five Mormon women that are on dating apps trying to like basically it's sex in the city for Mormon women, right? Well, how they met was what the story was. They had all met because they were dating some Mormon dude and he was trying to date them all and he didn't really understand technology. And so he sent a group message to oh, all Lord. the women. <laughs> He obviously didn't understand it. He didn't get it. And so his name was like Rusty. I'm making the name up. But so they, they called themselves Rusty's Girls. And they only met because this idiot was trying to date them all and have a bunch of wives. And they all be, they got rid of Rusty pretty quick, but they all ended up being really good friends. And these five women, support total strangers, they had never met in person. They were only on the phone. And they would call each other after dates and support each other. And I was like, this is the show, you guys. And I took it to BYU. And they were like, no one at the church would approve this. We could never get this on TV. <laughs> Wives of Salt Lake City. Yeah, Salt Lake City. I was like, man, this is the sh-. so like that's the stuff I like to make. I just love any anybody that's got positive. If you ever any, literally send me an email, hit me up on Instagram, whatever. If you got something positive, I'm into it. There you go. One last thing. Obviously, you've got legacy list that's going to continue. Do you have any other desires for anything to do? You don't want to make a movie or anything like that, do you? I have been quietly writing a Christmas movie for the last like five years. Oh, really? I want to make a Christmas classic. I, I really do. That's a challenge because you know they release about 25 every year. I know. And I want to, I'm going to have to self-fund it if I want to do it. I live in Atlanta now. And so it's really unique where it's different than the rest of the country. Like nationalities and race and, and those things have all flipped down here. Sure. Yeah. And on our first year here, we invited a bunch of families from the neighborhood over. And, and I mean, the basic concept is really simple. Like it was like, okay, we're eating at four. And, uh, you know, one group of people showed up at, <laughs> at two, one group showed up at three thirty. one group showed up at six. Nobody showed up at four. Right, right. It was all these horrible, dumb, there were racial stereotypes. Right. But they were accurate as could be, you know. And so I'm trying to explain to my eight-year-olds, like, well, why did this group show up at this time? I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's ask them. And so we just started asking. It was the funniest conversation I've ever had. And he just goes, man, we're not in Richmond anymore. And I said, nope, no, we're not. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is like, so I started writing after that. So every time I, I walk five miles every morning and that's when I do most of my thinking. I'm, I'm probably going to give stand up a go, I think. And, oh, really? Uh, cool. Yeah, I, I think I'll be disappointed if I don't. And if I don't do that, I'm, I'm talking to VPM about doing a, a podcast. I mean, I just, there's so many stories that we don't fit in the TV show. Right. Because maybe they don't have enough to carry an hour. Like, I mean, I met the guy that was fifth guy on the moon. 
and he was fascinating, fascinating guy. At the time, I was trying to do a podcast called Before I Go. And I said, all right, man, before you go, what do you want the world to know? And he goes, ah, shouldn't have gone to the moon. Really? And he goes, spent my whole life trying to go to the moon. He goes, by the time I got home, my wife didn't like me and my kids didn't know who I was. Wow. Should have stayed home. And that was it. Wow. And I was going through a divorce and I was like bawling, you know, I was just yeah. bawling, you know. And I was just like, man, there's some powerful stories out there, you know. And like, and they're just, I really believe, you know, 70 plus is ignored. And honestly, I think that's where the best stories are. And so I think whatever I do, I really love Legacy List. I hope to do it as long as I can. But TV's changing, you know. I mean, like, oh, TV's, TV's not what it was. And so I don't know where those stories will live, but I really, really want to keep pushing on the 70 plus stories because they're the most fascinating stories out there. Yes, we are. By the time this airs, I'll be 74, actually. My birthday's in about a week. My God. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Well, Matt, I want to thank you. It's glad that we finally met after all know, these man. years. Dude, please stay in touch. Anything I can do for you or with you or anything. My Absolutely. Gosh. And when you get back to Richmond, let's get together and have lunch. I would love to, man. Where, where do you eat lunch? That's the, now, this is a very telling thing. Where I would say Bamboo Cafe, but where would you eat? Uh, actually, I guess I'm more trendy. The Daily is kind of my yeah. go-to spot just okay. because it's in Carytown and it's, yeah. you can usually get a seat there and the food's healthy and I'm a vegetarian, so that matters. There we, okay. Well, then the Daily, yeah, that's good. Well, Matt, I want to thank you again. This has been great fun, and we'll look forward to Season 5 of Legacy and everything else you do. Thank you, man. It comes out in January, Season 5. Good deal. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, dude, seriously, thank you, man. Anything I can ever do for you, please. Okay, okay. I'll be in touch when the, we're ready with the attic. Legit. I want to go through your... I think we should put you on Season 6 for oh, real. Oh, my man. Lord. <laughs> we'll we just do your attic. Seriously, I'm putting you on my list to bug about that. We oh, would just goodness. do your attic for free. And we just get your stories. That's it. Okay, good partner. deal. You and your husband would be willing to do it. I would love Oh, yeah. It. I've got some pretty cool stories up there. Oh, I would love to. Do, that would be like everything. I would love All it. Right. That was Matt Paxton, a Richmond native who's considered one of the top downsizing and decluttering experts in the country. His show, Legacy List with Matt Paxton, is on PBS, and he's also been a feature cleaner on the hit television show Hoarders for 15 seasons. Coming soon in theaters. Next, Gull wins. After his heavy turn in The Killer on Netflix, Michael Fassbender goes for comedy as the coach of a terrible American Samoa soccer team, with direction by Taika Watiti. Thanksgiving, fresh off the cover of People's Sexiest Man Alive, comes Patrick Dempsey as a cop in a town terrorized by a holiday-inspired killer, from director Eli Roth, known for graphic horror. May-December. The latest from Todd Haynes features Julianne Moore as a schoolteacher who had a notorious affair with her young student, played by Charles Melton. Twenty years later, they're still together, and Natalie Portman shows up as an actor researching a role for a movie. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. This fifth installment in the franchise is set 64 years before the first film. Trolls Band Together. The animated dolls return in the third adventure with Anna Kendrick and Justin Timberlake starring. TV and streaming. Rustin on Netflix. This compelling drama, I saw it at Movie Land already, focuses on the gay black man behind the 1963 March on Washington. Maxine's Baby, the Tyler Perry story on Amazon Prime. An intimate portrait of the successful producer-director Tyler Perry. Braun, the impossible Formula One story on Hulu. A documentary about the creation of a race car. Stamped from the beginning on Netflix, a hybrid documentary scripted film based on the book with the subtitle, The Definitive History of Racist Ideas. Monarch, Legacy of Monsters on Apple, 
a spinoff of the 2021 Godzilla vs. Kong series. Follows two siblings as they deal with the world with real monsters. Kurt Russell and his son Wyatt play the same character at different ages. The sixth and final season of The Crown starts on Netflix. Julia, the wonderful series on Max about Julia Child, returns with a trip to Paris and more. Matt Reif, Natural Selection on Netflix. The movie star Handsome Hunk comic, who's been one of our favorites from his YouTube videos, is now having his first special on Netflix. Next week will feature a man on fire, literally. Frank Alfano is a stunt performer who's done falls, car stunts, fights, and fire gags. He'll tell us some stories about his stunts. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. See you then. For more Sister, including literally thousands, thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.